0: G'day, g'day, guys. Now, before we dive into today's show, I wanna ask you a few quick questions. Are you looking to take your investing career to the next level? Are you wanting an accountability partner who will push you to achieve your goals? Are you needing to surround yourself with successful investors and entrepreneurs in order to up your game and take control of your life? Well, if you've answered yes to any of those questions, I am super pumped and excited to announce that I'm starting the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. This mastermind is a group of highly motivated, abundance oriented hand-selected hustlers and entrepreneurs who are ready to take that next step in their investing career. We are now taking applications for the next group of champions. If you're interested to find out more, then email me at info, that's I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com and put in the subject line, The Syndicator Incubator. Being a part of this mastermind group, you will have unlimited access to both myself and my business partner, Andrew Campbell, and you will understand how we have been able to build a portfolio of over 1,200 units worth over $120 million in under 24 months, and we've achieved financial freedom in the process. There are once a month mastermind calls with the group and a yearly conference where you will learn from the best in the business so what are you waiting for there are only limited spots so get your application pack by emailing me at info at com. and remember be bold be brave and go give life a crack
1: you can literally buy lists of free and clear property by zip code by size home by bedrooms by anything you want Welcome
0: to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's guide to U.S. real estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Chris Fontaine. Chris is the best-selling author of the 2017 book, Real Estate on Your Terms and this year's The New Rules of Real Estate Investing. He's been a real estate investor for over 27 years. He's the founder of Smart Real Estate Coach and the host of Smart Real Estate Coach Podcast. Chris is also a strong believer in giving back to his local community, and he's currently supports a few franchises and um, charities, some of them around children's hospitals and the Three Angels Foundation in Newport, Rhode Island, where he is calling in from today. But enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Chris. How you doing, mate?
1: I'm terrific. Thanks. How are you, buddy? Good, man. Good. Look,
0: I always kick the show off with uh, Rewind the Clock. Tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid.
1: First dollar as a kid, I, I think I, um this is going to sound real exciting, but I, I pulled a wagon <laughs> we, up to the uh, corner and I literally took crap out of my closet and sold it to cars going by and they stopped and bought it. I couldn't tell you what was there, but I know I did it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> a wagon, just just full of random stuff, right? Trying to make literally beautiful. from my closet. Yeah, like books and cl-
0: whatever, whatever was in there. I remember as a kid setting up a little stall and and small bags of dirt, thinking that people would want small bags of dirt, which was, you know, the product was rubbish, but I, I got a picture of me. No,
1: you never know. They sell rocks and everything else. You should do that now. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: I, I was selling it more for the fact of, you know, gardening purposes, but I don't think anyone really wanted just some some crappy topsoil. <laughs> so yeah. It's pretty, pretty funny. It's Mate, um, but tell us a little bit about your journey and how you've got to where you are today and uh, a little bit about what makes you tick.
1: Yeah. Um, so I started in real estate in '91. Um, so I'm dating myself a little bit there. But what people say, well, would you grow up with it? I, I grew up in actually a welding supply and industrial gas business. But my father would build his own buildings and then lease them back to him to him and his company. So. Um, that I kind of got me watching real estate, and then he'd find blank piece, of, uh, vacant piece of land, and he'd permit them and flip those. So I was around that, and then that was around the time when Trump was young. This was in the so now I'm getting to like the 80s, and he wrote his first few books, and I caught those. And so in 91 we started building homes. Uh, we did so without banks and with all the subcontractors waiting till the end. So we literally didn't finance anything. And then in 95 I bought a uh, Realty Executives franchise, so I had my broker hat on then. Sold that to a banker in 2000, and then started doing my own investments around 2000. That led me up to coaching throughout North America, and also the the great debacle in 2008 when everything yeah. just kind of took a slide. So that's that's literally what got us going now with with the terms business. Not wanting to deal with banks, not wanting to sign personally, not wanting to use cash. We had none after the, after the crash. Um, so that's kind of the journey in a nutshell. We can go back to any piece of it, but that's the quick. 30 year journey there or
0: whatever it was. No, it sounds like you had a huge, huge experience. And uh, sounds like you had a bit of a few knocks and bruises along the way coming in out of the 90s, I oh, sorry 80s and then into the 90s, because you would have been in a in an era in the late 80s where the interest rates were through the roof, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember even my own house, you know, personally, uh, you just figured 10%. That was wow. the norm. And when it went to eight, it was like, oh, these rates are great. Then they went to four, we were like, what the heck's going on? And then look at it's it's the norm now.
0: So given that you and, and you know, don't want age you, but you've been through a few cycles. What's the, uh, in 2008, 2009, when that, when that hit, were you expecting it? You sounded, you mentioned before that you lost a fair bit of money. So what did you do and, and did you even see it coming?
1: Yeah, I mean, everyone started coming. It's a matter of if we believed it or not, right? So I was like most thinking that the properties were ATM machines, And the market was just screaming up. So when that happened, there was 22 or 23 properties that we were on personally. We don't do that anymore. Signed personally, and so where do the banks come looking when you sign personally? They come knocking on your door. So that was miserable. Um, And um, not only signed personally, but overleveraging those to get us in trouble the first time, uh, first place. So. Uh, we just said, okay, we got to re-engineer things and, and to re-engineer it, we just did the complete opposite of what got us there. Let's buy on terms. Let's not use banks. Let's never sign personally. And let's never use our own cash. So that, that's, that's what created what we, what we do today. We, we, we control uh, 50 or 60 properties at any one time, our own family business. That's not the coaches and the students. And uh, we are not on one single solitary loan. And that's a nice thing to go to bed at night knowing I got nothing signed personally, and I don't have to worry about that crap again. And so uh, it's pretty cool. And and on those deals we do now, we actually create three different paydays. Every deal, three paydays, three paydays, three paydays, and that's cash now, continuous monthly cash, and then cash on the back end. So that's cool too because you don't have a job. You know, you're not doing like one flip or one wholesale. Right. You you got this nice little staggered cash flow going on. So that's what we do now. Very interesting that
0: you fell into that sort of idea of not using other people's money essentially in, in trying to strategically negotiate the the purchase in a way that you don't have to put a lot of money down. Do you want to talk with me a little bit about what types of strategies you are using or what you've learned and, and now are implementing in your own investment portfolio?
1: Yeah. So the main two uh, would be lease purchase and owner financing. Lease purchase could be on a debt-free, could be on over-leverage, could just have a little equity for the seller. There's all kinds of ways to structure those. But on, when I say owner financing, though, because that can mean a lot of different things, as you know. Right. We, when we say that, we mean properties that are free and clear. That's what we target. That means the owner, by nature, doesn't need, quote-unquote, need the money, and they're open to terms. About a third of the properties in the United States are debt-free, and so that's a cool market to live in, to fish in. Um, we structure principal-only payments on those houses. So picture that. I mean, that's the coolest thing over time. The longer you can go out, we can actually afford to pay premiums for some of these sellers. That That's all they care about. And, and they don't need it today because we're getting principal paid on every month. So who cares if we added what's equivalent to two, three, four, five, six months of monthly principal payments on top of the price. So a $300,000 house, we might pay three hundred eight dollars for. And the seller thinks they got a windfall. We get all principal payments for three, four, five, six, whatever years. Interesting.
0: Interesting. And, and how are you finding those, you know, one third of the population with the free and clear properties? Um, because I'm sure that's pretty lucrative in terms of, you know, you a very strong negotiating power or you know, seat when you come to the table when someone has owns it free and clear. And then also trying to change their mindset to be like, well, I already own this, I already own this thing free and clear. Why would I come and work with you, Chris, and your team um, to give up, you know, what, I, what I've worked probably many, many years to, to achieve?
1: Yeah. So, okay. So when you're fishing in that pond, so to speak of the free and clear, you are looking for people that are at that point where they're ready to sell. Like this building I'm in right now that I'm talking to you and I, this is our office building. He's in his seventies. He sold it to us. I didn't use a bank at all. I paid no fees. He wanted to hold paper. And so we got 20 year term on this place. Uh, that's pretty cool you, to buy an office uh-huh. building. you put down what? 30%. It's insane. Yeah. So um, you're looking for timing, you're not trying to convince or or prod anyone, you're looking for people that are that are looking for a solution, meaning uh, an estate plan situation or a cash flow situation or just a premium on their property situation. They're not hard to find, you just have to talk to enough people in that pool of free and clear.
0: And and so how are you getting those sort of leads to make those introductions and get that, that conversation started? Because I think that would be a real key to a lot of people listening to this show. Yeah. Understanding like this sounds great, Chris. This is bloody, you know, sitting in a building where the, the dude's at seventy years old, he owns it free and clear. But how do you kick off those conversations and start, as you say, go fishing?
1: Yeah, a bunch of different ways. So you can literally, if you just want that that target, you can literally buy lists of free and clear property, buy zip code, buy size home, buy bedrooms, buy anything you want. We use a a, a, a list service, but there's this, you know, you can Google it. There's a million different list list services. You can buy free and clear, you can buy so many different things that people don't even realize you can niche that down. We also, um, most of our leads come from expired listings and for sale by owner listings. That means we're getting everyone, not just free and clear, right? So we're looking at different exit strategies there with the lease purchase as well. But if you can niche it, you can buy any list you want. You can say, I want all free and clear in my town of people that don't even live here. So they're out of state owners and they're free and clear. That's a great list. (laughs) You can just buy those. Right.
0: And uh, you sit in an office building, you said, but you're mainly focused on the single family space, correct?
1: Yeah. So this is just our own, this is our headquarters for all our companies. But yes, we focus on single families. We've done four units, six unit. It works great. 10 units and on our our strategies. You you probably know you can buy, I mean, I can buy a plane or a boat on terms, right? You can buy anything on terms. But yes, we focus on single family right now. And as other stuff comes up, we'll pivot and work with it like the multis and things like that. Right. Well, again, and also you're in that space of knowing how to the biggest thing that you've learned is how to
0: negotiate, right? You, 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 you have a person who has a plane, right, or a boat who owns it free and clear. You still use the same strategies. So yeah, exactly. Let's exactly. talk about a little bit about those strategies because a lot, I'm sure, a lot of people are asking, like, well, how the hell do I start negotiating with someone who owns it free and clear? It seems like they've got all the power. So, what are the sort of top two or three, four or five things that you try and teach your students in and around the negotiating? Once you've found that person, they've got the fish on the line. Now you're trying to reel it into the boat.
1: Yeah. So a couple of things in no particular order. One is your main question up front is um, regardless of their price, your main question is, do you need the cash up front? Do you need your equity out to go buy something else? And you'll be surprised at the answer when you're dealing with just free and clear people, because frankly, if they needed the money, they would have already yanked it out of the property. Right. You know, so that's the first question. And if they say, no, you say, okay, great. So then if they ask for down payment, your answer is real simple. What's more important to you, price? or a small down payment. So you're kind of belittling it. And, <laughs> and so you tell them, look, most of my sellers aren't in need of cash. So they don't want to admit that they are, right? So most of my sellers aren't in need of cash and they prefer to get the best price. If you're open to getting the best price, I can give it to you. I can give you the best price in the market as long as I get my term. That's the discussion. I mean, it's not a difficult one. So that's either a yay or an nay for them if they need the money right away, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So if they do say nay, right? They, I, I, I need a bit of money down. What are terms are you trying to negotiate in
1: order to still make it juicy for you? Um, I would start with just kind of for the shock value if they say, uh, how long you talk and I would say, well, my standard is 20 or something that's crazy out there. This one happened to fit <laughs> this building, but usually they want to, they want to be somewhere in the three to five year range and that's good. It, let me give you a, a metric on that. So if you buy any property, I don't care where in the country, yep. if you buy, if you, if you're somewhere on the 190 grand mark and above. And you you structure at least a four-year term of principal-only payments, you are going to have a six-figure profit deal the way we exit our deals every wow. time. Wow! Per house, that's great. So I, now some people think that's crazy. We did a house; we bought it for 183.9. We still have this because we've extended it and negotiated. But we bought it for 183.9. There's a bare minimum of 130,000 profit in this house. Wow! Now most people go, I don't, you know, I don't get it. Well, so it's 923 a month in principal payment. There's a tenant buyer in the house that pays us more than that every month, obviously, or we wouldn't have done it. And of course we mark the price up. And so when you have principal pay down like that, the longer you go in term, the more lucrative it is. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about that example
0: because I think you bring up a really good point because we're talking about the front end, right? The getting the leads in, getting the fish on the line. But then you gotta bake it. You gotta you gotta take it home, you gotta skim the fish, and you gotta eat it. So you got a tenant buyer in the, in the back end. They, are they the, your number one people you look for? Someone who maybe have bad credit. You know, we have people, plenty of people on the show talking about lease options where they might not be able to afford to go and put a down payment on a property or their credit's really bad, but they still want to eventually have the American dream and own. So is that your number one clientele on the back end to get them into that house, the $183,000? They're paying you at a, at a good negotiated rate that you, or, or a future value. Um, is that is that how you go about doing it?
1: Yeah, uh, so our main uh, exit is rent own, not turning over title, and uh, a couple of those things you brought up are super important because you you you've had enough people on your show, and you probably know publicly people on YouTube and elsewhere saying, well, the tenant buyers are good because you just throw one in there, and if they don't buy it that's fine you do it again Well, right. okay that might be true legally. the wrists and stuff like oh get your money and okay get out and make it yeah out. but that you know that's kind of bogus and morally and ethically it's bogus if you put someone in the home knowing that they can't cash out so a couple right. things to what you say one is we have a system whereby we pre-qualify them and get and, and know that the plan is i'm gonna get them mortgage ready or help to get them mortgage ready they know unless they screw their life up they can get the loan okay so you, you're setting them up to win not to mm-hmm. fail Mm -hmm. number two uh yes on the on the tough credit or just they want to increase their credit might be decent they want to increase it for a better rate so yes to those two but no to the people that say "I i don't have a down payment because they're not getting in the home unless they have a down payment because if they don't all I have is, is a glorified renter who wants to and hopes to buy. So when they put enough skin in the game, they're buying. Uh, yeah. for the most part. Again, unless they have a life event. We have people that have it every year. We lose some. But our, our uh, mortgage rate and cash out date is much higher than you're hearing people talk who don't do that step. Yep.
0: Yeah, well, and it also, as you said, back to your point, you proves that that person is worth their weight in gold. They're already, you know, um, giving you money, giving up money to say, "Oh, well, look, I'm, I'm serious about this. And, and you're now essentially being the bank. Yeah. Um, so that's it's really, really interesting. So in and around the, go back to the price a little bit. What's your, for the average person listening out there, I would assume the first time homeowner market is really where you're at the 150 to 300 thousand range. Is is that correct? Just by you know between, reading between the lines.
1: Um. Okay. Yes and no. So I, I typically in a lot of our markets, let's say our medians in the threes around here, not counting Newport itself, it's high end, but in right. general in Rhode Island, uh, you're talking anywhere between 190 and 590. Yep. Um. Because I like, as you get to the three and fours, you get better checks up front. Um, however, we have students all over the country, and one of them is in D.C., and he does 800 to 1.8 homes. Wow. Wow. But, you know, different medians there. So, it just depends on the market you, that you're in. And he does wonderful. He's, he's right now the highest earner, uh, what we call associate, who we do deals with around the country. I'm interrupting this
0: episode to remind you guys about the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. If you want to take your investing career to the next level and surround yourself with the best in the business, then apply today. Spots are filling up fast. I'm only taking a handful of people for the next round, so get your application by emailing me at info, I-N-F-O at reedgoossens.com. Remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Now back into the show. So talk to me a little bit about the. You, you, you've got a, a lot. It sounds like a very big mousetrap. You know, getting the getting the fish in the boat, going home, cooking it up, and having a good having a good feed with it. How are you managing all these processes? Because it is there, there's a lot of wheels spinning to make sure that that one particular deal does come to fruition, and you get you know as you said before three paydays, or three paychecks on, on on close throughout the rent and then once the, the person, the, the renter, uh, renter-owned renter um, buyer buys you out. So what is sort of your principles in and around developing those systems?
1: Yeah, so a couple things, and tell me if this is where you're going with that. So one is uh, obviously that front end of the qualifying is important, but after that's done, then it takes inspections on the property, let's say every six months, depends. You can usually tell that you have to be more proactive with people and nudge them and put your finger on their back, right? To mm-hmm. hold them accountable. It also depends on your terms. Uh, example, if I have a 60 month term, do I really want to nudge my buyer to cash out in two years when I'm getting principal paid off the whole time? No. So there's less pressure. And I'll say that to him. It's not like it's hidden. I'll say, look, there's no pressure. I got five years. So I'd rather have you take your time and not stress out on it. During that process, they'll talk with the uh, credit repair people. They'll speak with a mortgage officers. So those two are a team. It's pretty hard for them to screw up unless they disappear on them. And then internally, There's just checklists, you know, you do so many deals, you start to know where the bumps are. And every time you hit a bump, you add it to the checklist. Every time you hit a bump, you change your forms and and account for it. And so it's like no, it's like any other niche. So we have checklists and, and admin to handle that and make sure all the checkpoints are getting hit along the way.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important because the success in which you get those credit repair people in there to help the, the person who's going to essentially buy the asset off you at the end of the day is really, really important. Um, and, and so kudos to you for, to, for developing such an incredible, as I said, mousetrap before because it, it really does take a lot of moving pieces. And I think if you don't have your systems down pat, you can hiccups or bumps along the way that you might have to add to the system later on. Um,
1: you, also have a, you also have a job too, right? I mean, if right. you, and I don't want to poo-poo on any wholesales or, 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 or rehabbers. I have them on my pockets. I mean, I do friends. But the fact is, unless you scaled that really big already, at the beginning, you got a job. You got to go spin another plate. You got to go do another wholesale. You got to go do another rehab. Whereas the way we set it up, you get staggered income. You put 12 of these together, for example, not, not 50, but just 12 of them together you take some time off. You get staggered income for the next two to 10 years already. Right. Pretty right. cool. And,
0: and typically, what is your success rate on the close of those quote-unquote uh, credit repair tenant, you know, buyers? Um, is, is it high?
1: Yeah, we range between 93%, 95% roughly because you are going to have, despite all your efforts, I'll, I'll yep. tell you some of them, you are going to have the, the guy that calls me and says, my dad-in-law had a second heart attack. I'm leaving tomorrow. You're going to have, uh, there's two women and they got separated and so they couldn't afford it. And they right. gave you the keys back amicably. Um, you are going to have losing of jobs and divorce and injury. You're going to have those life events. And so that has happened. All of those have happened to us. So every year, uh, five or 10% of our properties there's a life event just right. by the nature of the beast. Just right. Up. And I think if you don't
0: account for that, you're going to get surprised when you're trying to do your first one.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and okay. So to that point, you got to know how to pivot. I call it pivoting when yep. that does hit you. Do you put it back on the open market and sell it right away? Fine. Do you have enough time to put another tenant buyer in there or do you call a sell and renegotiate? So you do, there's all kinds of ways to pivot. You just need to know how to do that.
0: Right, and be prepared, as you said, quickly to to do that in a yep. way that, that is advantageous for everyone in, in, um, involved. Absolutely. A little bit about the the types of contracts you're putting in place with with this with the seller of the property, how you're taking if you're taking to, and how you're taking title or ownership, and then how you you know on you know making sure there's a decent contract in place between the uh, rent to, rent to buy.
1: Okay. This is huge because I've had, I can't tell you how many students call me and say, yeah, I did a deal. I was following this mentor and they hadn't done a deal in 15, 20 years. So I got all this old stuff and I got myself in trouble. It changes too quick. You need to have someone that's been in the trenches. So our contracts, I'm not gonna say they change, they improve every single quarter because we're constantly looking for tweaks. Um, Our lease purchase contract allows us to, you know, uh, uh, obtain equitable interest in your home, let's say as a seller. And then allows us to uh, either assign that contract to someone, which we typically don't, or sublet it to someone, which we typically do. Uh, it gives us the right uh, to give the property back if we want. And so that's a total safety valve. Now, do we want to do that? No. Does the seller want it back? No. But it's a nice uh, leverage negotiating clause. If something does happen, you call and say, look, I could give it back to you, but here's our options. Let's extend it or let's do this. And so that's key. And then things like lead paint, uh, mold, asbestos. We built all that in that it's that their responsibility if that comes up and they tried to hide it. So just things like that that have nipped us in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, the the, the person's sales agreement on the owner financing end, because that was the lease end, yep. uh, is very custom. So it, it covers things like principal payments and it covers things like if we bought subject two, which we didn't even talk about. So it's very, very custom to terms deals. I, I, I asked our attorney at the last uh, event we had. I thought he had maybe, I don't know, a few hundred hours into it. He said minimum thousand hours into them and we make them available in our course I mean it's such a pivotal piece of what we're doing interesting no and, and it
0: would be because that's the whole that's the special source right that's how yeah. you get it from a to B and then the the people who come in with you know the, the different uh, the crews to help you keep that tenant you know marching towards that, that exit date is really important and making sure you have those clauses in there if something was to go wrong I think it's super- yeah to to always protect your downside if the if factor right so talk a little bit about that subject too because you just mentioned that Uh, maybe explain what that is for some of those listeners out there who don't really understand uh, negotiating or contract
1: terms sure and i'll tell you how we ease into that instead of going right after it so (laughs) uh, subject two just means i'm I'm gonna buy the home with the existing debt staying in the seller's name essentially okay so that's what it means i bought the home the title transferred but the the loan stayed in their name now Is that an easy conversation to have with a seller, whether you're brand new or experienced on conversation one? No, it's not. But I'll tell you what's a nice strategy is to ease into it, meaning start with a lease purchase, and we've done many of these, in month nine, month 12, month 18, somewhere in there where they've now seen you pay their mortgage payment directly for them in a lease purchase. Uh, Many, many months. They now trust you. They now know you're good for your word and you did what you said you were going to do contractually. Then you can offer them some incentive to transfer the deed and release themselves of the liability in literally just waiting for their cash out. Now, uh, if, a subject, if, a, if a seller is desperate, we do deal with them too, And because I, I want to make sure everybody understands. We deal with a lot of people that are in great shape. They just want a better price. But if they're, they are desperate, uh, we had a gentleman call and say, look, I got custody of my grandson. I remember you called me six months ago. My truck is packed and I'm leaving the country. Uh, sorry, leaving the state. He's going across the country. So uh, I literally went on a weekend, got everything done, and we had the thing closed by, by the following week, and he left. He just wanted to let go. He didn't even care. In fact, when we cashed that out not too long ago, I wish it was still going, but with the, the rent tenant buyer cashed us out. He didn't even call or, or say anything. He could care less. We paid his loan off, and, and uh, he, didn't even, he didn't even call us back or anything. So it's just he could care less. Now, that's a different seller, but most aren't right. like that. Right,
0: right. No, it's, it's very interesting because it's uh – again i I can't stress enough to people listening out there about this this process I, I, I this is actually one of the first things I ever learned back in Australia when I before moving out here in 2012 was essentially um, lease purchase uh, they was yeah. the changed a little bit in Aussie, which wasn't as advantageous so it's really nice that the United States has still got that in place but I think what you said in earlier of the show was you've got to be in it not as, as the shark and there's a little bit of blood in the water so to speak um, around lease purchases and stuff like that which got a bit of a bad name so being a real if you're thinking about getting into it you know you really got to understand you got to work with reputable people like yourself chris um, but also take your integrity, you know, at, 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 it's the most important thing, you know, you put your name on the business. So make sure you're helping out everyone along the way. And if, if, it, if it falls over, well, you've got contingency plans and that's where you come in to teach them how to do it right.
1: So yeah, um, regardless, regardless of the strategy, uh, to, along your lines, what you're just saying is just do what's right. like. Right. You got your contract. We just do what's right. Do what's right, yeah. And
0: and and you might get some skins and bruises on the way, but hey, oh, we will. <laughs> We've all been there, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, but Chris, what if, you know? What's the plan for for the business now, going into twenty end twenty nineteen and beyond? Um, you've obviously had a huge amount of experience, and and I'd love your thoughts as a second question on where we're headed with the with the impending recession.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'll go there first because okay. everything's like, you know, okay. A couple things. I had a guy, I wish I remembered his name. I'd give him credit for it on my show a few weeks ago. It didn't air yet. So just watch my show, I guess. But he, he was dead, dead set on there is no crash. And here's why. And he was, he was an economist. Uh, so I loved his comments obviously, but there is no, first of all, there's no one market, right? Right. So people say, what's the market going to do? There's not, there's not one market. There's several markets within your state. There's several markets within my state and they're all different niches. There's I, where, where I have my home and my own home. That's a market in and of itself for a lot of reasons. Like, so there's no one market. Second of all, a personal opinion. I mean, if you and I knew this answer, we'd be on the beach somewhere for good. We'd never work again, but <laughs> uh, I think it's going to just stay flat or, or I, I just don't think we're going to see what we saw in 08. It's just my opinion. Right. I, I'm not in the comments. I could care less. But in, in our, in our niche. Um, when it does slow down, I'll tell you, it'd be a lot easier to buy. Mm. So I'm not bumming if it goes down and if it continues to to fly up, that's great for us too. So what are we doing to the first part of your question? Um, more, uh, concentration on longer terms, because regardless of the market does, if I'm on a 20 year or 10 year or even a five or more year term, I'm not as concerned really I'm not because in 10 years, a lot can happen, uh, for the better. Um, second thing is more subject to an owner financing versus just lease purchase. So we're just concentrating more on getting pickier on what we do. With the, um, on, the, on the student end, we have people around the country we lock arms with and do deals with. Um, we're telling them the same thing. So as we bop and weave and, and change things or improve things, we tell them to do the same things. And there are different markets all over the place, you know?
0: Right. No, and I, I, I really like that point that you said because um, when I first moved to the United States, someone was like, oh, the U.S. economy or the U.S. housing market. And I sort of scoffed once I got here in boots on the ground. There's 400 different MSAs, right? And within the MSA, there is a north, south, east, west. And within each sub market, there's, you've got to be north of the tracks or south of the tracks or this, you know. So um, compartmentalized in and around how things are, are affected by the economy. Yes, the lending is really important. Yes, how banks are spooked by the stock market. But you have to put to your point, like, Really be niching on what you're good at and, and being able to pivot and have a system in place, which is, sounds like what you have, um, where you can just adapt um, regardless of what the market is and sort of recession-proofing your business. So I think it's a very, very interesting um, topic. Yeah,
1: I mean, if you were doing, uh, I don't know, pick something, pick uh, high-end spec homes. There's a guy around here that does three, $4 million homes. He got like four of them at one time. He's very successful, but I'd be a little nervous about that when the market mm-hmm. even levels so yeah. I, I just our niche is is one that uh, it's not foolproof, but but it's 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 somewhat bulletproof,
0: somewhat bulletproof. And I, and I think back to the point of uh, you're in that first homeowner. You know, you got you got a couple of students who are not, but that first homeowner, For the most part, yeah. For the most part, yeah. Okay. And then the big thing for the risk on your business would be the qualifying and will, will banks be lending to these first, you know, the people who've trying to fix up the credit? Uh, hence, the way you're, you know, you're, you're mitigating that is by negotiating longer terms, uh, which then allows you um, potential, if that tenant does not, can, cannot execute you because we're at the bottom of the market, whenever that is in three, four, five years' time, you have another option because you are still at a nice. Yeah, spot on. Awesome stuff, mate. Um, what, how much of your success is, is being attributed to luck, and how much is it attributed to hard work?
1: it's interesting. You said, X, I just got done reading uh, good, uh, great by choice, one of Jim Collins' books, and he taught there's a whole chapter on luck. Um, but I think it's uh, you could attribute a lot of it to that because the word luck could mean what a relationship that was introduced to you, for example. But you've got to act on it, right? So a lot of the relationships we have are our luck, you could say. But then we acted on it, right? So I would say that most of it is it would be luck. But you get but you got to be prepared, and then you got to act on it,
0: right? No, I or think it's useless. that's useless. <laughs> <laughs> um, in call in many many years to come, you are lying on your deathbed. Many many years to come in the future, a long long time from now,
1: 150 years, yeah,
0: 150 years yet. Yeah, Let's and and your grandkid comes up to you and says, Chris or grandpa, what's the, what's the number one piece of advice you can give to me? What would it be?
1: Uh, okay. So generic, not real estate related. It's uh, find something that you can really relate to. Like you can get passionate about love, but then find someone, so that's step one, step two, find someone in that, in that niche or industry or trade or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter. It could be a, a popcorn stand, find someone that did it and still doing it and then don't get thrown off by any shiny objects, put the blinders on, don't look left, right or backwards and follow that person for 36 months straight. And you'll have a great experience, regardless of what a business. Yeah, interesting.
0: Love it, love it, man. Uh, I think it's really powerful stuff. Um, At the end of every show, I like to get into the top five investing tips. You ready to dive into it? Yeah, absolutely. Mate, what is the number one um, daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals?
1: Uh, working out. If I don't do that first thing in the morning, I'm, I'm done. My day just doesn't start. You, uh, you're a morning guy. You're clearly a morning guy or an afternoon guy. Yeah. No morning. I, I found anytime fitness and I go there at like three 30, uh, <laughs> twice a week. Nice. Nice man. Nice.
0: Um, what, who is the most influential person in your career to date?
1: I'd have to say my father. Uh, cause if you go to date, like everyone, um, uh, you right. always been entrepreneurial, always been encouraging, always been supportive. And probably
0: back to that luck question, you know, if you didn't have your father around showing you the ropes at the early age, that's, it's a bit of luck. You were born in that family. Sure.
1: sure.
0: um, Yeah. Set you on a path of of success. So so well done. Thanks, dad. Yeah. (laughs) What, what, what is the most influential tool? Now, when I say tool, it could be software or hardware related in your business. Today? Yep. Today.
1: Um, man, oh man, oh man. Uh, I, well, because we're building a team, uh, i would just tell you something real simple like Slack. And And the reason I say that is we have our entire community on that. And they say that it's one of the best things we've ever done because it's like a 24-7 mastermind.
0: Yep. I, I use Slack in our business as well. I think it's so good. And it's such a good way to like the combination of Google Dropbox. You can go back up, you can go back up the the the, the, the scroll, the feed, red, yeah. see who uploaded what. Oh, there it is. Okay, boom. Instead of trying to look for an email, you know, buried in a, in a million emails. So. Yeah, I love it. Um, in one sentence, what has been the biggest failure to date? What did you learn from that failure?
1: Uh, it was definitely the 2008 debacle. And as we alluded to earlier, I learned to uh, pay more attention to the market, not take advantage of it, uh, and never, ever, ever, ever sign personally on a loan. I don't care what the circumstance or how the upside is. So, and I'm just going to ask you one quick follow-up, for question 4B. Uh, what, do you, what specifically
0: are you paying attention to the market
1: now um meaning okay good so not meaning when pay attention meaning don't the things riding uncontrollably watch like what's going to happen next or what could happen next what's the worst scenario like just pay attention i i was stupid enough to think it was never going to change that's what i meant by watch it. it's going to change but how is it going to change so what specifically
0: who who you're subscribing to who are you following that that sort of gives you that like uh finger on the pulse
1: uh more trends could because i we've got the fortunate experience now of having about 60 uh, what we call associates around the country that I get to hear from every week. Mm. So I'm getting all the pockets, right? And I'm hearing what's slowing down, what's not. That's cool. That's like having a barometer out there. So that, right. that, I'm, I'm listening closer to that.
0: And what's the number one thing you're listening to when, when uh, the barometer is uh, going off the Richter?
1: Uh, where things are slowing or tightening, what's dying out? Like, hey, the, the high end in this area is dead, or yep. you know, or things are still screaming because the first time buyers. What it, just what pockets are moving and why? Sure, sure. No, I,
0: I think that's really great in and around what the importance of masterminds and having that to leverage um Huge. data. It's a, it's your data center, right? That's what you. Yeah. Can, um it's the, it's the heart of what how your, your your business operates, mate. I really want to thank you for coming on the show. Our uh, last question is: Where can people reach you? They want to be in and around your sphere. They want to, you know, just check out what you're doing, listen to your own podcast and maybe grab a book.
1: Yeah, they can go to smartrealestatecoach.com. I've got a free webinar. I'm big on letting people dive in free and see if they like what they see. And then our podcast that you mentioned is smartrealestatecoachpodcast.com. And if you want the um, the, the newest book, there's two on Amazon bestseller, but the newest one is the new rules of real estate investing. And I'll give you a link and this will include shipping. If they just say they, they heard me on your show, it's uh, new rules for F-O-R free. Dot com. new rules for free.com
0: new rules for free.com
1: well mate I want to thank you
0: so much for dropping in today one of the couple a couple of uh, summary tips that I took away from you was really um, understanding the, the different processes you go through uh, in, in order to make it a win-win situation for everyone involved talking earlier up about how to find your the different leads how to get the fish there's a lot of people in this in this market who, who do own free and clear how do you get them on the line once you get them in the boat what are you going to do with the contracts in order to make them you know, suitable for a rent-to-owner? And then, how are you, you know, structuring those contracts that you've got a couple of outs uh, along the way in case you know, life events happen, the recession happens? Um, and I think that's really, really important for everyone to keep aware of that you've got to have a mousetrap in order to be recession-proof in your business. Uh, sure. did, I leave, did I leave anything out?
1: No, no, spot on. Good summary going yeah, to get you
0: to write the next book with me.
1: <laughs> well, mate, I'll,
0: I'll hold you to it. I uh, want to thank you so much for dropping by. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll catch up soon. Thanks. You too, buddy. Well, there you have another cracking uh, episode jam-packed with some incredible advice. And please head over to uh, smartrealestatecoach.com. Check out everything that Chris has to offer because he's a really good guy trying to do things right uh, in and around the world of lease options. Uh, And I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your real estate investing knowledge because that's what we're all about here on this show. We're going to do it all again next week. So be bold, be brave. Remember, go give life a crack.